Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity. I'm so glad you joined us online. I'm Wade Giffen, one of the pastors, and we are continuing today our series that is formed by the children of this church. Questions our children ask that I bet you want the answer to as well. Well, hello, church, and welcome. Um, for those of you who I haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Kim Weiskup, and it is my honor to be able to share the scripture um, and some of my thoughts with you today. And today's scripture, it comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it is, in fact, Matthew's call story and where he made the decision to follow Jesus. I invite you now to hear these words from chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. And I'm reading from the New International Version. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, there was a great preacher by the name of Fred Craddock, and he once told the story about his first appointment out of seminary. It was in this little town in the eastern Tennessee hills near Oak Ridge. And as Oak Ridge began to grow because of the atomic energy movement, the area started to change. And suddenly, this area that was near the church, it started to fill with all of these single men and families drawn to the area for work. And these people, they were living in tents, they were living in wagons, and in trailer parks. And Dr. Craddock, he said, you know, hey, our church ought to reach out to these people. We've got a nice, beautiful old church with great music, great organ, and we would love to show them some love. So after church, he pulled the leaders together and said, let's start a campaign to reach all of those in the trailer parks, and let's invite these people to church. Quickly, one of the leaders jumped in and said, oh, I don't know. I don't think they would fit in here. They're just here temporarily. They're just construction people. They'll be leaving pretty soon. And Dr. Craddock replied, well, nevertheless, we ought to invite them and help them feel at home while they're here. And so they continued to go round and round about this and argue about it until they ran out of time. And so they ended the meeting deciding that they would vote on it the following week. Well, the next Sunday came, and one of the leaders started by making a motion. He said, I move that in order to be a member here, you must own property in the county. 
and it was quickly seconded by another of the leaders, and a vote was called. And those leaders were quick to remind Dr. Craddock that he was just the preacher, he didn't have a vote. And that motion passed, and it wasn't long before Craddock found himself in a new appointment. And years later, Dr. Craddock was traveling with his wife, Nettie, and they decided to go back and see this old church, his very first church. And he arrived, and there he saw the building, shining bright white as it always had. But this church looked different now. Parking lot was full of motorcycles, trucks, and cars. And in front of the church, there was a great big sign. That sign said, barbecue, all you can eat. It had become a restaurant. And so Dr. Craddock and his wife went inside, and the pews were up against the wall. The organ was pushed back into the corner, and he said it was just amazing to see all of the people, all of the different people, gathered together at tables having a meal. And as he took it all in, he turned to his wife, Nettie, and he said, it's a good thing this is not a church. Otherwise, these people couldn't be in here. All I can say is, ouch. I wonder which one of those looked more like the kingdom of God, the church or the restaurant. Who is welcome? Who belongs? Who is worthy of Jesus' love? For as long as the church has existed, people seem to have wrestled with these questions. We hear over and over again how Jesus loves us. He's been pretty clear about that with his life. Scripture's clear, but we don't always like that answer because surely he could not have meant those people who live in ways that are so different from what he taught. Surely he could not mean the people who have such disregard for others and harm others. Surely he didn't mean those people. And that's what's at the heart of the question we're going to explore today as we conclude our sermon series, Questions Our Kids Ask, But We All Want to Know. You see, our kids, they were looking at this scripture from Matthew not long ago, and they learned all about tax collectors. They learned how they took advantage of people. They learned how they cheated others. And they took it all in for their own gain. And those kids, they were angry. They were filled with righteous anger. And then they heard the rest of the story, how Jesus went into Matthew's house for a party. And he ate with Matthew and all of these other people that they didn't think deserved it. And it caused them to ask the question, why would Jesus ever want to eat with those people? And that's essentially the same question that we hear the Pharisees asking in this scripture. Now often when we talk about Pharisees, we are really hard on them. 
We are so critical, and we never, ever want to be the Pharisees. But when we think about it, really, they were just trying to live holy lives. They were sacrificing their time and their possessions. They were practicing self-discipline, and they were following what they were told God expected from them. They took their faith really seriously. And so maybe you can understand why they were so surprised and confused and taken aback when Jesus chooses to spend time with these people rather than them. Jesus chose to be with the tax collectors and the sinners, not people who were trying to live out their faith. And what Jesus tries to tell them is that there's something missing in their faith. There's something more to our faith than just obeying rules or believing the right things and performing rituals. He tells them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go and learn. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That phrase was not a new one for them. It harkens back to the prophet Hosea, who said the same thing many, many years before as he was trying to get God's people back on track. As one commentator points out, what Jesus is trying to say to them is that their sacrifices that they were making disassociating from the sinners, refusing to work on the Sabbath, and so many other rituals, they were starting to affect that they, the way they looked at other people. Their righteousness was starting to be used as a basis for judging people, and they were judging them very harshly. They were focusing on their relationship with God, but they were missing the part about loving people and showing them mercy. And so Jesus is here when he says, go and learn mercy, saying, show some compassion. Treat others with kindness and love them, even if they aren't living in the ways that I have taught. And it's important to note that in this scripture, Jesus doesn't ask Matthew to repent. He doesn't ask anybody else to repent before he sits down at the table with them. He just sits down, eats with them, and shows them mercy and love. Go and learn mercy. That's the invitation for each of us this day to put together our love for God and our love of neighbor. Now, as I said, this question came from one of our kids and as any good teacher does, Anna, who was teaching them at the time, flipped the question back on them and said, why do you all think Jesus would eat with these tax collectors and these sinners? And I want you to hear their answers. Jesus still loves them, even though they've done bad things. Jesus doesn't want to leave anyone out. Jesus might have wanted to teach them that they were doing bad things and help them understand that they needed to stop. 
Jesus knew that they didn't have any friends. Jesus is nice to everybody. Jesus wanted to show them how to be nice and help people. These kids, they get it. They get what mercy is. They were able to look past what the tax collectors and others did, and they saw them through Jesus' eyes. They know what mercy is. And sometimes, and maybe I'll even say often, they get what Jesus is trying to teach us even better than we do. Because I wonder... What is it that changes in us as we grow that causes us to have such trouble showing mercy? How do we start seeing people not as those people, but as people loved by Jesus? How do we go and learn mercy? I think we start by admitting to ourselves that we all and I include myself in that category, we all have those people. We have people we don't want to sit at the table with. We have people that we don't think are worthy of Jesus' love or deserve it. We all have those people. And we all carry a measure of judgment of others. And so we begin to go and learn mercy by breaking down the things that separate us. And when we do that, Jesus has a way of showing up in the midst of it. And I want to tell you a little bit about why I say this. As I mentioned last week, one of my degrees is in counseling. And part of my study was to explore what it is like to have an addiction and to try to become clean. And so to that end, we were required to attend 10 Alcoholics Anonymous meetings during the course of the semester. I'm going to be honest, this was an incredibly difficult project for me. I was so uncomfortable at the meetings. I was surrounded by people who had hit rock bottom. They, in some cases, had hurt other people and in many cases had hurt themselves. They lived in the darkness of their own actions and their ways of life, but also in the darkness created by other people who sat in judgment of them. And if I'm being honest with myself, I was one of those people who was sitting in judgment because as I started this project, I dreaded these meetings. I did not want to go. And so I would sit as far away from people as possible. I would avoid any possible conversation with them. And on top of that, I would always pick the meetings that were farther away from my house because I never wanted to show up at a meeting and have someone recognize me and think, look, she's an alcoholic. I didn't want to be one of those people. And then it happened. I reluctantly went to a meeting at a church. And if you've ever been to an AA meeting, you know that they're not always marked very well. The directions aren't marked very well in churches. And so I entered the building, and I just started looking for a group. 
And so as I walked in, there's a group, and I thought, I'll just walk over and ask if this is the meeting. And so I came in and said, is this the AA meeting? And they looked at me like I had two heads, and they quickly jumped out to get me out of the room. I had actually stumbled upon the church choir, and they were quick to get me out of there. And so one of the members, they, they stood up and ran me out of the room and walked me down the hallway, and they would barely say a word to me at all. I felt like I was being watched like a hawk, like they thought I was going to steal something in the church. And I tried to start talking to him, and he just would have nothing to do with me. He pointed me down a hall, and he said, that's your meeting. And he stood at the end of the hallway, waiting and watching, because Lord knows I might steal something down that hallway. And so I got to that room and walked in and asked, is this the AA meeting? And no, it wasn't. It was the Boy Scouts. And they pushed me out and off again. And so I went back to the guy who was escorting me, and I felt awful. I felt like I was being judged. I felt like dirt. And I wanted so desperately to find a welcoming soul. And so my escort took me a little farther down the hallway. And that should tell you how well the church interacted with AA, that they had no idea where the meeting was. But he took me down another hallway and pointed me down that. And finally, I had found the right meeting. And from the moment I walked in that door, they welcomed me with such love. They greeted me warmly, and then they started their meeting, and they began with joy and praise. Then they started lifting their concerns for other people. And it was followed by a time of honest sharing and confession, accompanied by tremendous support from the group. And they ended that meeting by joining hands and reciting the Lord's Prayer together. And I'm going to tell you, never have I ever heard the Lord's Prayer the way I did that night. Does any of that sound familiar? It sounds like worship. And that's what it was. And after the meeting, I was approached by this woman who invited me back, and she did something that nobody in the church had done. She asked how I was doing, and she asked if I was okay. And I can't even begin to tell you how much it meant in that moment. I didn't even bother to tell her that I wasn't an alcoholic, that I was doing this for a study, because at that point, it didn't matter to me anymore what people thought of me. I couldn't say anything, but thank you. Thank you for making me feel loved. Thank you for making me feel welcome. And for the first time since I had been doing those visits, I wanted to be in those meetings with those people. I wanted to be with people who were willingly admitting that they were in the darkness that were willingly saying, I need God's light. I experienced something sacred and holy in that meeting. I had met Jesus in those people. 
And that experience, it convicted me like no other. It made me wonder, how often as Christians do we make other people feel like I felt that day? So low. How often do we dismiss people and try and separate ourselves from them? How often do we get caught up in our own righteousness only to miss God's grace and presence right in front of us? The Pharisees in this story, they were looking at this meal from the outside. But Jesus never said they couldn't be part of this gathering. Jesus wasn't trying to keep them out. Nowhere in the story does it say the door was closed or the windows were closed. The invitation was, and still is to us, is to follow Jesus inside. Jesus didn't just say, I love everyone. I love these people. Jesus sat down with them and ate with them, and he built relationships. And that's what it means to learn mercy. It's to fully integrate our love of God with our love of neighbors. And that's what Jesus invites us to do. Go and learn mercy. Today we have an opportunity to come to this table a table where all, and when I say all, I mean all are welcomed joyfully. Each of us comes in need of Jesus' healing. Our healing may all be different, but we all need Jesus' healing because we are people who are broken and who desire wholeness. And so as we come to this table today, I want to invite you to think about who are those people in your life? And I invite you to remember that Jesus loves them and Jesus loves you. Where might Jesus lead you today? thanks for being in worship today as we have considered another one of our children's questions. I hope that in our service today, you found something to think about yourself. God bless you. Have a great week and we'll see you back here next Sunday.